Proverbs 21 today. But before we get to Proverbs 21, just one verse. I'd like someone to turn to Proverbs 20. And if you would say the version and then just read verse 14 for us, please. Proverbs 20 and verse 14. Sorry, go ahead. One of you can go ahead. Proverbs 20 and verse 14, please. Proverbs 20, verse 14, in NKJV, sorry, in NIV version. It's no good, it's no good, says the buyer, then goes off and boasts about the purchase. And now someone please read it in the New Living Translation. Verse 14, Proverbs 20, NLT version. The buyer haggles over the price, saying, it's worthless, then brags about getting a bargain. Yes. What do we make of this verse? The first thing we can say is it's an observation that we can uh, see and observe in life that people will be Speaking one thing when they want to strike a bargain in the hopes of making the other person lower their price or give up their gain so that this person can get the gain. We see that as an observation. And we see that it's given the context of purchasing, a buyer. And one of the tactics everyone knows, I'm sure, common guiding principle for business to many people is that you buy low and sell high. Perhaps this is what drives the motivation to get involved in stocks and such, to look for profit and to approach the situation with some tact and with the so-called tact. What we see in business and observe with people haggling over price, it's not simply bargaining but actually putting down the product and indirectly or directly the seller or the producer saying that it's worthless, it's no good, it's no good. We may be Christians and think that, well, that's all right. You have to survive and thrive in this world. You have to 
say something. But when we translate this not only to business in terms of Christian ethics, but also with our relationships, words matter before God because the words convey ideas and the ideas can have a moral quality to it. They can either be truthful or they can be untruthful. We can either be forthright and honest or we can be deceptive and a liar or liars. It's important to God because it has to do with integrity. There are things in our lives as believers that we can gloss over and we can just push to the side and maybe not even be aware of what's going on or be so steeped into self-profit that we just ignore the basic principles that the Lord has taught us, the basic commandments that, is, that has to do with, or that is, sincerity and integrity, honesty. It's not wrong for one to bargain, but it's wrong to be insincere and lie. Once again, we want to translate this into every area of our lives. How do we relate to people and what do we say? There are people in marriages and that's the saddest thing. People who are actually wedded together and they have professed a commitment to each other, but when they speak, though, words are out of a double tongue. They may say nice things, but they really don't mean it. The agenda is that I need to get something done or get some gain. In a married relationship, what a sad thing, what a deception. Or they may say bad things about the spouse so that they can look better. Similar to this business transaction, to say that it's no good because you want to make a gain. You want to gain something. The Holy Spirit will diagnose our hearts every time we come to the Word of God to show us exactly the nature of our hearts and how the words and our actions correspond to the actual state within the chambers of the human soul. God wants us to be truthful through and through. And that doesn't mean that we have to say everything that is true in the whole world all the time or all up at front at once. All up in front at once. Wisdom will show us what to say, what not to say, but one thing wisdom will not show us is how to lie. How to deceive. How to put on a pretense. These things are foreign to the nature of God. It's the enemy that comes in a deceptive way. It's the enemy, the serpent that comes in the garden too deceive with flattery and with an advance to make the victim think that she's gaining something and so you fell. She fell. And Adam fell. The entire human race 
got into such misery because not only because of deception, but because of lack of integrity on the part of the victim. How not being faithful to the covenant of God, to the word of God, to the commandments of God. No wonder the Bible says, the one that fears the commandment will have life or find life and be safe. But the one who despises the commandment will be destroyed. The buyer may gain something initially or temporarily, but as we read in many different sections in Proverbs, and see the principle clearly set forth in the totality of Scripture, that which is stolen or deceptively gained or quickly gained will prove to be gravel in the mouth and will fly away with wings. There will be a disillusionment. How many people who are so rich come to the end of their lives thinking, what a fool I've been. Striving to get and get and get. Now, the most precious commodity I have, I see, is time. And I cannot buy any more. I can't buy it at all. With all that I've acquired. But, the one who says, Lord, teach me to number my days that I may apply my heart unto wisdom will know that integrity must be chief in the qualities found inside the human soul. If the integrity and sincerity is not there, everything is lost because the whole foundation will not have truth. Any structure that is devoid of truth and sincerity will come crumbling down just like the sand castle or the sand house built on the beach. May we remember Proverbs chapter 20 and verse 14 that it's applicable to every single believer showing us we ought to be careful what we speak to our family, to our loved ones, to our relatives, to our co-workers, to the merchants, to the stranger. God is watching whether we are putting on a show to gain something or to look good in the sight of man. We ought to have the fear of God and fear the commandment to say, I will have no part of this. I don't care how profitable it may seem or how intuitive it may be or fashionable and wise in the eyes of this world. It's an abomination. Lying lips are an abomination to the Lord. I may bargain rightfully but I will not lie. I will not say opposite to what I really know and feel in the heart. May the Spirit of God cause each and every one of us to be truthful in how we speak, what we say, and how we behave. Glory be to God. Now, let's turn to Proverbs 21. And I'd like someone to read 1 through 15, slowly, please, extra slowly, and Loud enough and clear enough, if you have a clear connection. And then the next uh, brother or sister, please read 16 to the end of the chapter. Let's listen to the Word of God from Proverbs 21. See what the Lord is. Praise the Lord. New King James, Proverbs 
21, 1 through 15. The king's heart is in the hand of the Lord, like the rivers of water. He turns it wherever he wishes. Every way a man is right in his own eyes, but the Lord weighs the heart. To do righteousness and justice is more acceptable to the Lord than sacrifice. A haughty look, a proud heart, and the plowing of the wicked are sin. The plans of the diligent lead surely to plenty, but those of everyone who is hasty surely to poverty. Getting treasures by a lying tongue is the fleeting fantasy of those who seek death. The violence of the wicked will destroy them because they refuse to do justice. The way of a guilty man is perverse, but as for the pure, his work is right. Better to dwell in a corner of a housetop than in a house shared with a contentious woman. The soul of the wicked desires evil. His neighbor finds no favor in his eyes. When the scoffer is punished, the simple is made wise. But when the wise is instructed, he receives knowledge. The righteous, God wisely considers the house of the wicked, overthrowing the wicked for their wickedness. Whoever shuts his ears to the cry of the poor will also cry himself and not be heard. A gift in secret pacifies anger, and a bride behind the back strong wrath. It is a joy for the just to do justice, but destruction will come to the workers of inequity. Praise the Lord. Amen. Jody, what version was that? The New King James Version. Okay, thank you. I'd like someone else to read the same version, please, the rest of the chapter. And then we're going to hear it again, doing this intentionally, so that we can get a better grasp of it. We'll read it again in the New Living Translation. We'll have two different brothers and sisters read. Now, right now, someone please read 16 and onwards. Okay. To the end of the chapter, New King James. Verse 16. A man who wanders from the way of understanding will rest in the assembly of the dead. He who loves pleasure will be a poor man. He who loves wine and oil will not be rich. The wicked shall be a ransom for the righteous and the unfaithful for the upright. Better to dwell in the wilderness than with a contentious and angry woman. There is a desirable treasure and oil in the dwelling of the wise, for the foolish man squanders it. He who follows righteousness and mercy finds life, righteousness, and honor. A wise man scales the city of the mighty and brings down the trusted stronghold. Whoever guards his mouth and tongue keeps his soul from troubles. A proud and haughty man, Scoffer is his name. He acts with arrogant pride. The desire of the lazy man kills him, 
for his hands refuse to labor. He covets greedily all day long, but the righteous gives and does not spare. The sacrifice of the wicked is an abomination. How much more when he brings it with wicked intent? A false witness shall perish. But the man, who's he- the man who hears him will speak endlessly. A wicked man hardens his face. But as for the upright, he establishes his way. There is no wisdom or understanding or counsel against the Lord. The horse is prepared for the day of battle, but deliverance is of the Lord. Praise the Lord. Before we hear this in the New Living Translation, another brother or sister, I'd like you to read 1 to 15, and someone else, 16 to the end of the chapter. But as we listen to the Word of God, one of the most important things is repetition. One of the most important things is repetition to be able to hear the Word of God over and over again. If you could kindly mute your lines, whoever is unmuted. We see in the Old Covenant that God told the children of Israel that you ought to speak to your children, children of Israel meaning the adults of course, the descendants of Jacob and his 12 sons, which became the nation of Israel. These adults, these parents were told by God, when you walk with your children in the way, when you lie down with them, when you sit down in your house, outside of your house, what are you supposed to do? God said, I want you to continually speak to them my word. God is so wonderful that he gives us, spoon feeds us as it were, exactly what needs to be done so that we can be protected. Our children can prosper, but what have we done? Not what God said, so the consequences follow. But we are given this word of God, and as I was hearing it read, I was thinking, What would we be without the Proverbs, without God's Word? Would we be like a cow or a bull? Would human beings act like dogs and monkeys? I say worse than that. For sure. Worse than a beast. All you have to do is look around you, read the news, or hear it. Don't recommend it, but... If anyone has a doubt as to the truthfulness of that statement, man left to himself, not just like a beast, but a brutish beast, a very violent and wicked, deceptive. Do you know anybody in life, personally, your acquaintance? Or as we often say, have you reflected on your own life? Have you ever told a lie or deceived anyone? Have we tried to deceive God, the height of folly? Have we pretended to be happy with someone when we're really upset and angry? Or pretended to be upset when we are happy? Strange things that human being can do when they lose their dignity as one created in the image of God. When they don't understand, don't want it, 
and by a lie. How privileged we are that we have a living God, not an idol. As the scriptures say, they have eyes but they cannot see. Ears but they don't hear. Noses they don't smell. They're dumb and so are the people who worship them. It's not to be thought of as a derogatory statement. As a derogatory statement as we may understand it today when someone says that's dumb. But quite literally, it's an inanimate object that can do nothing. It's dumb. And the people who worship that inanimate object are surely foolish because they can do more than their God. They can talk, they can see. How awful to fall from even mere common sense to worship that which cannot speak or cannot relate, cannot have emotions, cannot think, cannot reason. It's after all a stone. I said this recently as we had to go to the museum, the big museum in in uh, Manhattan, New York City, world famous, I suppose, Museum of Modern Art. Went there for Vaskerba's, one of her courses when she did her master's many years ago. And I remember just being struck as we entered one of the rooms with the displays of this at least 10 foot tall idol from India about four or five feet wide solid rock I don't know how many tons it would weigh massive and someone may say from an artist's perspective impressive but from God's perspective dumb utterly dumb because it is Inanimate, it cannot speak. And it's held up as what? Not even as a pet. It is God. What a deception. God says to us, without His presence in our lives, without His commandments, His direction, we become worse than the animals. What a tragedy facing billions of people on the earth down through history into the present time. Nothing matters no matter how much fashion a person can acquire, how much culture, quote-unquote, how much money. I relate again, the richest man in the world. Native of Europe, made it big here in the United States. Worth more than two hundred million a billion dollars, a billion billion. And you know what he wants to do? After having multiple wives and obviously failed relationships, quite a number of children. Constantly on the cutting edge of technology, very cynical and upset. Frustrated, not surprisingly, 
with many things. A man devoid of God will be a total mess. And he wants to go to Mars to try to live there. He's getting ready. Why? You want to go to Mars and pollute that planet? No one can escape from their own conscience. On the day of truth, when all is said and done, the worst and most horrific thing is to have fear that I'm about to die and go into what they would deem unknown, but all of a sudden they will see demons come to take them to hell. They will know this was real. At the same time, they will await with great fear and trembling. Great white throne judgment of God where all those who partake in that judgment will be sent to the lake of fire to experience torment forever. Where would we be without the commandments of God? Without the warnings of God? How about driving on the highway as I am now? And not have any signs whatsoever? Perhaps we can think back to the earliest days of the automobile. And no one knew what was going on. All they knew was we have something that can move. Take us from one place to another. And after casualties and deaths, come with a bright idea. Maybe we ought to have some traffic signs and set a traffic guard and establish some rules and warn people. And in our era, modern times, such things as the seatbelt. Can you imagine human beings were actually driving at 50, 60, 70, 80 miles an hour. No one had the wisdom to prescribe a seatbelt until after people got thrown out of their cars. But this is man without the love of God to direct and the wisdom of God to direct his steps. Human life has to be lost before our changes come about. But praise God with God, our lives, now we look in retrospect at our own adult lives and our juvenile or adolescent stages, and even our earliest stages of human life. How much tragedy could have been averted? How much folly, unwise decisions and damage and destruction, pain to others and to ourselves could have been avoided if we had the commandment as a deterrent as well as a blessing to help us to enjoy real life. We need to understand this scope of the importance of God's Word and tremble with joy and say, Oh, my Father, I don't deserve this, Lord. So many people I know have perished. They've gone to hell never to be able to come out except for the judgment and then be sent straight to the lake of fire. Oh, God. And how many people I know are living in such a awful, self-destructive life, violence and immorality, abuse of others and of oneself. Oh, Lord. 
Do you feel the pain as we even think about this? And do you have such an awe and wonder that God should pick you, should pick me? I do. I'm eternally grateful to God and I'm always seeking to have a tender heart. To say, Lord, let me never boast. Let me never think that I am someone better because of grace. As if I did something. It's the mercy of my Father. And you know what? That's not all. There are people who say, oh, I know. I know all about that. I know how to be thankful. Oh, I know. I count my blessings every day. But what is the result of it? God is interested in the conclusion of the matter, as we see in Ecclesiastes, the very last portion of the book. Here, the conclusion of the whole matter, all the wisdom that you've gained, all of the grace that you've been shown, is to lead me and you to fear God and keep His commandments. If that's not there, God will grieve, like in Genesis chapter 6. Why did I ever ever show them grace. What a waste. What a grief in God's heart. But thankfully, we're not of that sort. We are people who say, thank you, Lord. I will fear my God. I want changes continually in my life. The words that I speak, the attitudes that I keep, the way I treat my fellow human being, oh God, as we look at it, we may say this morning, you know, I have a lot of work to do. Truth be told, I, I'm just not where I should be because I keep flipping maybe. There's hope for such a person who admits that and then goes to Christ for the remedy. Goes to the Word of God repeatedly. Repetition is very important. If God told the Israelites, tell your children repeatedly, don't let them off the hook. with not hearing the word of God from you as a parent constantly. Now, in chapter 21 of Proverbs, we see allusions to keeping one's mouth. There are people on the morning call today, and since the Bible speaks of women that are contentious, just to keep it in that line of thinking, both male and female can be very contentious, very unwise in relationships. But there are people on the call this morning, wives, who have been counseled to step back from speaking so much. And their intention was, I've got to get this through to my husband because he's so closed and doesn't want to communicate. And doesn't want to own up to what needs to change in his approach to the family, family situations. And so I have to make up for it and keep on speaking. There have been those on the morning call who have been counseled by us to step back and trust God. Hold your tongue. As you read recently, it says even a fool, when he holds his tongue, or refrains from speaking, a, a real fool 
one who's known for bad decisions and bad behavior, when that person all of a sudden holds his tongue, that person can be counted as wise by the onlookers. How much more a person who receives the counsel of God and is cautioned and admonished counsel to change direction, don't talk so much. And especially in a close relationship, step back and let wisdom guide your words and let them be measured in more than speaking or undergird the less speaking with a lot of prayer in secret before the living God who will do wonderful things when you do things His way. And what a difference. These wives have found God's Word to work. They have found that when they stepped back from nagging, that God stepped in. And all of a sudden, they saw changes in the husband. Hallelujah. Similarly, a husband can be counseled to step back and not talk so much and also choose the kind of words that need to be spoken. Once again, even I myself speaking this may look at it and we can look at these things as the ideal situation and say, well, that's perfect and I'm far from it and what do I do now? Get to work. How? Be exposed to the Word of God day in and day out. And also, approach it with concentration and an intent that I've got to change. Whatever God speaks to me from Proverbs 20, verse 14 today, and Proverbs 21, Lord, I want it to stick to me, and I want to make some changes. Will you help me, Lord? Intentional. Not casual. Not think, when is he going to stop speaking about that? When are we going to go on to the end of Proverbs? When can we move on to Ecclesiastes? No, this is where I am right now. This is where I am right now, and this is what God wants me to hear. And so I want it. I'm all in. Looking for the change. Proverbs 21. Someone please read now in the New Living Translation. Extra slowly. Loud enough, please. 1 through 15, and someone else 16 to the end of the chapter. Proverbs 21, New Living Translation. The king's heart is like a stream of water directed by the Lord. He guides it wherever he pleases. People may be right in their own eyes, but the Lord examines their heart. The Lord is more pleased when we do what is right and just than when we offer him sacrifices. Pointy eyes, a proud heart, and evil actions are all sin. Good planning and hard work lead to prosperity, but hasty shortcuts lead to poverty. Wealth created by a lying tongue is a vanishing mist and a deadly trap. The violence of the wicked sweeps them away because they refuse to do what is just. The guilty walk a crooked path, the innocent travel a straight road. It's better to live alone in the corner of an attic than with a quarrelsome wife in a lovely home. 
Evil people desire evil. Their neighbors get no mercy from them. If you punish a mocker, the simple-minded become wise. If you instruct the wise, they will be all wiser, all the wiser. The righteous one knows what is going on in the homes of the wicked. He will bring disaster on them. Those who shut their ears to the cries of the poor will be ignored in their own time of need. A secret gift calms anger. A bribe under the table pacifies fury. Justice is a joy to the godly, but it terrifies evildoers. Verse 16 and on, NLT version. The person who strays from common sense will end up in the company of the dead. Those who love pleasure become poor. Those who love wine and luxury will never be rich. The wicked are punished in place of the godly and traitors in place of the honest. It's better to live alone in the desert than with a quarrelsome complaining wife. The wise have wealth and luxury, but fools spend whatever they get. Whoever pushes righteousness and unfailing love will find life, righteousness, and honor. The wise conquer the city of the strong and level the fortress in which they trust. Watch your tongue and keep your mouth shut, and you will stay out of trouble. Markers are proud and howdy. They act with boundless arrogance. Despise their desires, the lazy will come to ruin for their hands refuse to work. Some people are always greedy for more, but the godly love to give. The sacrifice of an evil person is detestable, especially when it is offered with wrong motives. A false witness will be cut off, but a credible witness will be allowed to speak. The wicked bluff their way through, but the virtuous think before they act. No human wisdom or understanding or plan can stand against the Lord. The horse is prepared for the day of battle, but the victory belongs to the Lord. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. What a verse to end on in this chapter. The supremacy and the sovereignty of God over everything concerning you, concerning me. God says, trust in me. That's the essence of that last verse. We can have the ammunition. We can have the wealth. We can have the horses. We can have a lot of people on board with our cause. But if God's not in it, even that temporal success will corrupt, self-destruct. 
we look at the Proverbs and we may say, well, I don't see how that's true. A person who loves pleasure will not be rich. Wait a minute. There are people who are living it up, whining and dining and just living a life of luxury. I don't see them become poor. But we have to understand that it's speaking about people who are lazy. Speaking of people who lack industry. People who want to lounge around and do nothing. Eventually, they will lose everything. But the one who seems to be spending a lot, or living extravagantly, still gets up early to do what needs to be done to sustain that wealth. Still, even in the midst of pleasure and vacationing, will be keen on the profit margin. We'll be in dialogue with others in business. And so, we step into the verse and we understand what it is God is actually saying. And in this chapter, it's interesting that twice, spaced apart by just a few verses or so, it's speaking about dwelling with a woman that is arguing and complaining. Just contentious. On the one hand, it says that it's better to live in a desert than be with that woman. On the other hand, it's better to dwell in a corner of a house than to be in a big pleasant house with that contentious, argumentative, complaining, gainsaying woman. Think about that. Both man and woman. What is the essence of this? What are we looking for in a marriage? Especially. Everyone says we're well, love, but one of the hallmarks of genuine love is peace. An environment of peace where I can think and I can function in an optimal manner in relationship and in productivity. Rather than having this harassment of fear, being afraid that anything I do is going to be wrong or misunderstood, misconstrued. And, and then there's a nagging and not leaving me alone, intruding into my space and my time to do what? Not to be edifying, but to tear down. It's an awful reality, and that's why it's important to not ignore this, and maybe some people are experiencing that. God's wisdom shows not only the observation of such a state of affairs in a marriage, and the regret that can come with it, whether one is the, on the receiving end of it or on the giving end of it, the Spirit of God shows us it's all wrong, it's all foul. It shouldn't be this way. And one may say, well, that's the way it is, I'm sorry to say, and I have to do with what I have and I have to manage with this. But as believers, we can go to the Lord and when we pray 
for the spouse to change or the situation to be remedied, we have to always get first things first down in the presence of God, and that is, what am I doing with the commandments of God? Often, problems will continue and even intensify when I have despised the Word of God. In fact, it's a sure guarantee. But particularly in relationships, eventually, as with the case of the children of Israel and Judah, the nation of Israel and the kingdom of Judah, God raised up enemies. Trouble came from within one's own household. It seems so elusive, this peace. Why can't I have satisfaction? I can't seem to get any satisfaction. It seems to be short-lived, and I have to pump myself up with an artificial high and an artificial glee to try to enjoy something while I can. God says there's a better way. First and foremost, be honest. Be humble. We heard in Life Training School yesterday that we need to come to God with integrity to say there's some leprosy here that needs to be dismissed and purged. Oh God, some unclean things, some things that are improper. And Lord, next thing is, I'm not going to come to talk with you, to bargain with you, Lord, to come humbly with my hand over my mouth, like Job, to say, I abhor myself and I repent in dust and ashes. Why? Because I've come close to God. I can really see now with my own eyes the holiness of God, the justice of God. And I can't say a word. Because when he judges, he's true. And his word is showing me that I'm not right. I want relationships to be mended. I want my work to be blessed. I want to have my barns filled with plenty. I need to have integrity. There are people who came and gave in the temple treasury. and There's a lot of pomp and splendor. And then the Lord looked at that one woman that came with just a penny or a fraction of it, the amount of it. And the Lord said that, that woman, that, that widow, that poor woman, has given more than all of those other people. Here, take 500. Rabbi, temple priest, temple guard, watch this. $1,000 check. Everybody watch now. It's going to go ever so slowly. Take pictures. Then the next one. Oh, that's nothing. Watch me. $10,000 going into the temple treasury of God. I'm not going to just drop it slowly into the treasury. I'm going to spread it across my chest. Take a picture of me with the check. I'm really, really godly. Here comes this humble woman. Nobody wants to take a picture of her or what she's giving. But you know who took pictures? God did. Hallelujah. God took a full video. And he has it for eternity. He took note. You know why? Because of integrity. 
She came with integrity, not hypocrisy. She didn't come with plenty and say, well, don't you know I gave $500? Well, how much do you have? 500000 Don't you know I gave $10,000 to the temple treasury? How much are you worth? $60 billion. The integrity is give a tent. That's what God said. Instead of boasting about the relative proportion to what others are giving. Cain got angry at Abel. You know why? Because Abel was sincere and right. Cain was a crook. He didn't bring the best. He brought what he could pass off. He thought he could pull wool over God's eyes. What a fool. And he lost it all. We need to know we're dealing with the living God. Anything we offer must be with integrity. It must be everything that we're supposed to offer. Not by our own eyes or others. We can always find a pastor. Always find a mentor. And a Christian brother or sister, quote unquote who will let us do whatever we want and tell us they think the world of us. But when we come to God and God's people who fear Him, know His heart and transmit exactly what God says, they'll be trembling that I must do it right before God. You know when you have integrity before God, God will solve your problems at home. Hallelujah. Didn't we read the other day, when a man's ways please, oh, we heard it, the Lord, he makes even his enemies to be at peace with him. Now, even here, we need to have integrity. We can always say, oh, that's the ticket. No wonder that guy that was so rude to me the other day was acting like a lamb before me today. Is that all? Is that all? What about the rest of the enemies? Can we just say, well, I've, tasted and I can show that something's changing so I, I've got it made, I'm good we need to say Lord, what do you say Proverbs chapter 21 verse 2, someone please read that again people may be right in their own eyes but the Lord examines their heart. Amen. Yesterday, we heard it said that the worst enemy we can ever have is ourself, meaning the flesh, the carnal part. Because that carnal part has so much pride that it will tell us that we are beautiful people when God says you are corrupt the carnal self will tell us who are they to tell me that I'm wrong I don't think so I'm good and let me tell you and justify why I'm good 
you know what? They'll even go to God and say, like Jonah, God, didn't I tell you? God, how many times do I have to tell you, God? Let me take you aside like Peter did, the Lord Jesus. You're not going to the cross. You're not going to the cross. Trying to be God's counselors? What treachery and what folly? Yet people do it all the time, even today. They actually try to put words in God's mouth. How horrible and dangerous. Instead of coming to God with a hand over the mouth, with an empty cup, cleansed of everything God's shown to get rid of and say, Lord, will you fill me? Will you assess my true state? Their pride is very dangerous. And we need to hear this so that we don't have it. We wage war against that. The worst enemy we can ever have is who? Ourselves. Once we crucify the self, carnal nature, we'll be open to the voice of the Holy Spirit. As we know, the assignment that was posted last night, Life Training School, how do you hear God? How did Abraham hear God? How did Isaac hear God? How did Jacob hear God? Why is it important to be able to hear God? And how have you heard God, if you have? And how are you hearing Him now? And how can you hear Him even better? That was the essay assignment. We do well to not rush it, but to really say, Lord, I want this to be a life-changing experience for me. Everyone is pure, Proverbs 21.2 says, in his or own, her own eyes. It's very easy. It's human nature, the fallen nature to say, of course I'm good. Of course I'm right. Of course you're wrong. How dare you tell me that I'm wrong? Then make all kinds of facial expressions and different sounds with the tongue and mouth and maybe snap the finger, roll the eyes and turn on one's heels and walk away. That's an ugly life to live because it's not God's life. Rather than say, why do you say I'm wrong? Show me. Paul says we are living epistles. We're open, known, available to be read by everybody. There's nothing we're hiding. Peter had the humility when Paul withstood him to the face when he played the hypocrite at a certain point. He didn't say, how dare you, you Johnny come lately? Paul, I've been around for a long time. Don't you know? Don't you know who you're talking to? Oh, you better be careful. Watch out. I'll give James a phone call right now. That's it for you. No, he didn't consult the presiding elder. He didn't vaunt his clout with people in society. Peter just listened. Later on, Peter says in his own epistle, our beloved brother Paul, such wisdom. You know what? It wasn't flattery. A lot of people flatter today. Watch out. I hope we are not flatterers. If we're guilty of flattering, we should put it to death because it will ruin the person we flatter as well as come back and hit us. We need integrity through and through. It's best not to say anything than to say something wrong in the sight of God, even if it sounds good. But everyone is pure in his or 
our own eyes and we ought to say, Lord, I'm done with that. I'm done with trying to defend my goodness. Let me take a cue from Job, from these Proverbs and say, Lord, you come and examine me. God is constantly examining me and I'm constantly examining myself. I'm so thankful because I can always know where I stand with the Lord. Someone says, oh, pastor, are you kidding me? You mean you're not sure of where you stand with God? No, I didn't say that. I can always know how close I am to God and how far I am from God with relation to His counsel. That's a wonderful thing to know. Aren't you glad? If you're married, who wouldn't be glad? to know exactly where you stand with your spouse or with your children. Who would like to be flattered and given a pretentious talk and romance when there is no substance to it? The opposite is true. Only a fool would settle for that. But a person who has any amount of dignity and integrity, any amount of self-respect will say, listen, I'd rather you tell me that you're not happy than to pretend you're happy and be upset at me and angry. So we can fix it. I can fix it. We've heard in so many words this morning Party. the great value the great value God places on integrity. What we say how we behave, what we think. Don't be like that buyer, haggler. Oh, are you kidding me? You want me to give you $10 for this piece of garbage? I can make this at home. Come on. I'll give you five. Are you kidding me? It's worth $11. I'm giving it to you for 10 No way. It's actually worth less than 5 Look at it. It's falling apart. They come to a compromise. Okay, I'll give it to you for seven. Oh, seven dollars. Give me a break. I hope you know that I, I made your day, okay? Now I want you to go tell ten people what I did for you today. Give me that. Here's your seven bucks. Soon as he turns on his heels. Woohoo! Call the wife, call ten people. Boy, did I swindle that guy. I got a bargain. I gave it to him. Walked away with a bargain. God says, that's not nice. That's not good. You could have bargained with him, but you shouldn't have lied. You shouldn't have put him down. The reason this is being spoken of repeatedly is Many, many so-called believers act just like the world in certain areas of their lives, failing to understand the eyes of the Almighty God are right on them at that moment, and He's recording that for Judgment Day. God have mercy. It's a big deal to Him. And the remedy is to say, Father, I'm sorry not becoming of a believer of your child 
no child of yours. I don't want this in my life. And I'm going to be careful next time I'm baited into such a situation. And we can apply that principle to everything in the Word of God, where I know there needs to be a change, and I'm used to doing it a certain way, and I know it's all wrong in the sight of God. I've got to change. And as I'm trying to change this area of my life, I'm met with a repeated failure, perhaps. And what do I do? Not give up. And say, Lord, your word works. Hallelujah. Your will be done on my, in my life. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven, Lord. After all, are you preparing to go to the moon? You talk to an astronaut, what does he do? Play golf all day? And then on the day of that launch of that space shuttle, space, spacecraft, can somebody give me a six-hour course on how to deal with uh, lack of gravity in the compartment there and how to get used to the force, the G-force on my chest? Six-hour course, please. Meanwhile, the others spent years training for this event. Can we afford to try to get into heaven that way? I'll do something last minute. I know there's got to be a way around this. No, the preparation is now, and it has to do with integrity. It has to do with seeking real peace, real love, a fellowship with the Almighty. To say, you know, on this Friday, February 26, 2021, I want to please God all day long. Oh, God. And I want that to become a lifestyle. Where? In what area? But I'm tithing 10%. Good for you. Glory be to God. But God says, do the latter without neglecting the former. What is that? Righteousness? Love or mercy? And genuine faith. Lord, I want my heart to be right. In every area. Otherwise, I'll be fooling myself, no matter what profit I get today. What I accomplish, at the end of the day, I'll be fooling myself. But on the other hand, glory be to God, I can come to the end of Friday and say, Father, I have sought your forgiveness for my former mischief or disregard for your covenant, Lord, and your word. But today... I've done it differently, or I've done it this way before, but I've slacked off recently, and all kinds of chaos has come in. I don't even know who I am anymore. Oh, Father, will you forgive me? Would you help me to be true, a true child of God? And Lord, I want to empty myself in your presence as I cleanse myself with the word you've spoken. And uh, I can look forward to tomorrow because I know my Father is well pleased with me how I've kept His commandments. A change is happening. And, and uh, whereas I may have said I'm all in, Lord, change anything and everything, I perceive that 
I was not so willing to be changed in this area and that area. And now, I say, Father, yes, in those areas, I must surrender. Oh, Father, help me. That's a great day in the life of a believer. Heaven rejoices because it's not only the sinner who doesn't know Christ whose recovery brings celebration in heaven. Surely the backslidden Christian which is equal to the sinner repentance causes jubilation in heaven. And the favor of God will rest upon us. And God will say, this is my prized possession. My dearly beloved child, my son, my daughter, who I know fears me like Abraham, and I know will command his or her house after me. And you know, God will say, I can trust you to keep my word. And I'm going to use you mightily. And when you enter heaven, oh, glory be to God. You're not going to get what you deserved because of the blood of my son washing you clean. When you enter heaven, you're going to have a great welcome because you repented. And like the prodigal son, you came back and said, Lord, I want to live with you forever. Hallelujah. Integrity, genuine love, genuine peace, genuine faith will cause us to be genuine instruments of loyalty and royalty in the hands of Almighty God. And He will surely hold us up as trophies for eternity and say, look at the one I love, the one who loves me, who changed course became very diligent in examining every single proverb and surrendered to every truth and every commandment. Now will shine like the stars of heaven forever and ever. Blessed be God's name. I pray that every one of us would aspire with a genuine hunger and thirst to be the best we can be by the grace of God by the power of the Holy Spirit, by our honest confession and admission, total surrender to the Word of God. Shall we pray? Blessed be your name, Lord. We thank you, Father. Shown us the essence of life once more. And I thank you. We have life preached to us, Lord. Hallelujah. Life from heaven to live right and to make changes, continue to work at it with the grace of God and to expect a total radical transformation because anything short of that will be self-deception. Thank you, Lord, for showing us that we can aspire and acquire a standing with you that is impeccable that is full of glory, 
with your divine smile, O Master, our Savior. Thank you, Lord, that we're in the race to get the prize. In Jesus' name I thank you. Amen.